This, this is the Punk Theology Podcast. Yes, punktheology.net. In this episode, penetration. And I know what your dirty little minds are thinking, alright? But listen, what if penetration has multi-layers to it? That's what we're going to delve into. And it takes us a minute to get there, all right? So bear with us. But we start to peel back the layers like an onion on this uh, this word penetration. What it means to penetrate the earth, the heart, the skin, the soul. Penetration. Big thanks to Chubby Mosh for the bumpers. Welcome to episode 15 and you're listening to season four. Okay, earth fucking. <laughs> yeah, explain, explain an earth fucker again. Okay, explain what you're, you're, we're, we're talking about, Chuck. Yeah, so there's listeners. So me, Kristen asked Chuck what he would if he could talk about anything, anything in the world. What would he want to talk about? That's right. He wants to talk about Earth fucking. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about Earth (laughs) fucking? Right? You drop that in any conversation, any party, party, and people are like, okay. Okay, you have the floor. This is not an environmental thing, by the way. We're not talking about the environment. We're not going to shame you for. I mean, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. Let's back up a little bit. Now, not only motor oil. If you just bring up Earth fucking, would it please the crowd? But the reality is, is I got paid money to do it. To do some Earth fucking. To fuck the Earth. Were there cameras involved? There were. Yeah, it's hard. Yes, and not only. (laughs) Not only was I paid by private, not not only was I paid by private entities, but I was paid by public entities. Ooh, public earth fucking. Public earth fucking is a whole new level, Chuck. I can't believe how much your face lit up when you said that. What? Public earth fucking? I mean, earth fucking in a hotel is one thing, but to do it in public, wow. (laughs) <laughs> We've got some earth fucking voyeurism. <laughs> Chuck, I've done it. I've done it in downtown Bellevue before. <laughs> That's pretty. Oh cool. <laughs> Will you explain what an earth fucker is, Chuck? Yeah, this, yeah. this conversation. Okay. Yes. Uh, you take a three foot long dildo. <laughs> it's got to have a more specific <laughs> scientific name. Or uh, yes, it does. Yes. The, um. The engineering so term stupid. would be a uh, electronic pressure meter. Okay. Um, very basic terms is you drill a hole in the ground, you insert the instrument to the bottom of the hole and inflate it like a balloon. And you measure the pressure and the radial displacement. Radial displacement, you mean girth. Girth, <laughs> a massive girth. Yeah, and the girth grows. And the earth, no, no, no. <clears throat> well, it depends on the material of the earth. Uh, some material stretches. It has very, very wonderful elastic capabilities. Some of it tears, yeah? No, it doesn't ever tear. Uh, <laughs> it's very close to tearing. 
but the elastic capabilities just allows it to not. Um, I actually was, before I left said uh, job, um, I was writing a paper about the elastic abilities of the Earth's parts. Never finished it. <laughs> anyway. Why not? Um, so you can measure the properties of the ground based off of certain equations and the way the curve looks. Why I like to talk about it is because I have a part in my head that enjoys the fact that I am one of seven people on this planet that knows the information that I know. No. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> almost double that. Yeah. You did no. almost double that. No, no, no. <laughs> three people listens to it. The, to the, the, you did yeah, the three, the three people that are listening. <laughs> um, it's just the, I've had it with this, that position, I had a lot of my firsts, you know, the first time that I realized I'm in a meeting because I'm important. Like I know whatever you're talking about. And so there was, <clears throat> I was in a meeting, I wasn't listening and there's just a lot of silence. And someone looks to me and is like, Hey, this is where you talk. It's like, oh shit, what's the question? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, okay, I'm important. Like, yes, you're asking me the question. Um, another first in this in this position was I was in a meeting and I had zero idea who was on the meeting and I totally called out the um like our client in the fact that he was an idiot for even hiring us to go do the work that we were doing. And the room got silent. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, and the, I was working for um, the larger federal government and they spoke up and they're like, wait, is this true? <laughs> so it's like, oh shit, like I fucked up. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but it, mostly it's just, I like to talk about it because it's something that really, really interests me. And yeah, the, like the math behind it is just, it. it's yeah. not real well known. I like it. Don't t don't be honest with the government. You just can't. You just always lie to the government about your expertise and things. That's what maybe I'm not doing. always. No, not always. <laughs> I've always always lied to the government. That's just it's it's in the Bible, Derek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so Chuck, um, I don't know. I can't put it back on the rails. You do it. No, I I know it. <laughs> Chuck has to put it back on the rails. Yeah, like I said, the the part it's a part of me enjoys the fact that I know certain things that nobody else does, and I can just geek out on it. Does a part of you get frustrated that it's not a lot more known? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly in like our profession. Yeah. Um, because it's not like it's new technology. Um the guy that developed the electronic pressure so the pressure meter was developed in fuck 50s maybe by menard and then um a guy by the name of jonathan hughes made it electric so it's all based off of um oh man the electric slide just popped into my head it's all based off of electric current through um <laughs> <laughs> Through 
true. <laughs> we're hanging on the edge of our seat. <laughs> Holy shit. This is going to be the worst payoff <laughs> ever. You can't do that to us. He's going to say a word none of us know. You know. <laughs> what if, have you ever had an audience? If they could only see Kristen's face through the conversation. <laughs> that's the best part. Oh, no. no. I'm just watching you, Kristen. <laughs> oh, I get all self-conscious. <laughs> so, Derek, do you understand what he's what that is? Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Like, if you're gonna build something, you kind of want solid ground. So, you put a dick fucker in the earth to see if the, the not a dick fucker, an earth fucker. God, come on, Russ. <laughs> don't be gross, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> so crude. The dirt. You <laughs> dirty. You made it dirty. <laughs> you made it. No, dirty. but what I'm, I'm, so I'm trying to catch up with my my certain level of intellect. All right, I have a very low level of. I did a lot of drugs and I didn't go to school, but I'm <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Like I'm pretty. I'm doing all right. So Chuck's what Chuck is describing is something where you put a, a hole in the ground so the earth you can build shit on this this lot of land and you can know that it's not going to like have a sinkhole or sink down into the earth like our house is over a hundred years. Yeah. Chuck is fucking the earth for good. He is. He's, yeah. He's fucking the earth to see how strong it is, to see what it can take, to see if it can really hold up. If it can put its, put its back into it and brace itself against the wall. <laughs> Jonathan Hughes. Oh. Decided to take it away from um, like uh, measuring it the surface of the ground to measuring it into in the hole. So there's strain gauges on two different instruments. One is a uh, a piece of metal that slides across the face of the balloon, and the other is a strain gauge on a closed cylinder that inside the cylinder is atmospheric pressure and so as the pressure builds inside the instrument it pushes against the little strain gauge and measures the difference in pressure so you can know how well what the pressure is inside of the instrument i'm pretty sure i'm the only person that understood what you just said and i'm still bored uh yeah that's fine i don't care i'm not bored <laughs> okay um, you're going so what i would get frustrated about is John Hughes did his doctorate 40 years ago. And 40? there are very many engineers that even know what an electronic pressure meter is. So does it get frustrating that others don't share that passion? A little bit. I think it's more just the frustration of like what I would think of as basic knowledge. So why don't, why don't they do you think, Chuck? Why don't engineers know about that? Education. I think education screwed up. They're just still doing the stuff this way they would. Same, same shit that they've been doing since the 1900s. Yeah, that is true. Some of the sh some of the shit I had to learn in school, like they still when I was in school, they still taught surveying using chains and stuff, just in case you had to know how to do it. <laughs> right. I've done that in a long fucking time. Yeah. People still need to change their oil. <laughs> yeah, until electric cars. Not that yet either. 
like people don't change their oil like fuck it's 2021 yeah yeah you still got to change your fucking oil not electric cars will fix that and then people really won't have to think ever again yeah but they still have to have brakes because the fucker has to stop and then they will run the brakes into the ground because that's 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 probably always going to be a thing we lost steve again god steve so that's like I I shared a meme with Derek Russ. Um, It's a heart with a little electro thing on it. It says scientists have created an electronic sleeve that fits around your heart to keep it beating forever. And then there's a comment underneath that says, but I still can't play music from my YouTube app if I close it. (laughs) It's so stupid. You have to pay for it. I can't because I pay for premium. Yeah, YouTube. Uh, YouTube's become not as cool as it used to be. That's for sure. I wonder what's going to come along and replace it because eventually YouTube it gives me be money, good. though. That's what I like about it. They, yeah, yeah, there'll be there'll be somebody else that comes along and figures it out. Figures out a better model than that one. Yeah, hopefully. We're done talking about fucking the earth. As long as they. Well, I mean, no, it's going to come back up again. But I think we should talk about something. We've we got to pace ourselves. Oh, okay. We can't. We can't just gorge <laughs> on earth fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, feedback. Feedback? Where does Steve go? That was, yeah, he, that was one too many earth fucks for him. He's just out. Yeah, Steve's done. So what are we actually talking about tonight? I was thinking earlier today, this isn't exactly a subject, more just a thought, but I haven't reread the Bible in a really long time and I've been thinking about rereading the, the Gospels. Because you've been talking a lot about it lately, Derek. And what I was thinking about when Jesus went out to the desert, I was just wondering if he went out specifically with the intent to die. And then oh, he I went think out he there. Didn't I tell you about that whole theory that I had on that one? I don't think so. I don't think we've talked about it. Well, Jesus was doing mushrooms. Jesus was tripping balls. Like well, I, I I've, right. I've, no, I've. Like that's a fucking mushroom not, trip. So Jesus went out to the desert and he dealt with three things. And every single person that's ever done a heavy mushroom trip has dealt with these exact three things. The first one is, does reality exist? Can I turn that rock into a piece of bread? Mm -hmm. Can I fundamentally shift the nature of reality in order to make it be what I want? Mm The answer is no. But but that's really hard to deal with in a mushroom trip. Um, The second one is... um, What was the second? The second one was him being offered the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, and Jesus was like woke, woke, like Jesus was aware of things. And Jesus had the capacity to manipulate every single person on the planet into giving him what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he was tripping balls. And he was like, I don't like, I see that. I see that I could use this power to become the most powerful human being on the planet. Like it's obvious it's right in front of me, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to do that because that follows the law of survival of the fittest the devil was his ego right yeah and that is that and every you know it's like the fucking fellowship of the ring everybody tries to lift that ring and the more power you have and the more capacity you have the worse it turns out in the end and so jesus was no i'm going to focus on these 12 people um and keep it really really small and i'm not going to use the fact that i could manipulate everybody into bowing in front of me to bow in front of me and then the third one was 
am I, it was dealing with his own mortality, right? So he's up on the temple and he thinks like, like, do I even exist in a plane where like, where I won't come back if I die? Like that is a total mushroom trip thing to deal with is, is what even is life? And, and if I die or even when I die, if he really knew he was going to die, if he really thought, like if he really had that in his mind, like what's going to happen? And just that, that course of logic flowing through your brain, um, you know, in 40 days and 40 nights, like you're on mushrooms, like you do an Arthur load of mushrooms and you're like, how long were you out? It's like, oh, like 45 well, days. It could have been a hallucinogen. It could have, or it really could have just been him being out in the desert, not, not sure. eating and him hallucinating just naturally because Jesus. so so what I was what I was thinking is that when he went out to the, the desert, I was just wondering if he really was going out with the intention of dying, just because yeah, he I, I just wonder if he was just sick of already just the contact he was having with everybody. He knew he couldn't save everybody. And I just I just imagine that level of need that he was seeing in humanity, because because I don't think that he ever reached that point of total perfection or enlightenment. I think he just kept leveling up time and time again, all the way through the Gospels. And I think when he went out to the desert, I just wonder if he did it in a really powerful way, like you're talking about, where he fully transcended existence, where he didn't have to die. And then he came back and realized that he could live up until the point that he freely died instead of, instead of waiting for death to come find him. And I don't know, I was just, I was just thinking a lot about it, just because I, I know what it feels like to want to die, to be so overwhelmed with the suffering in the world and to, to want to step away from it. And then leaning so hard into that desire that it breaks free into some kind of leveling up or enlightenment where you realize you don't have to kill yourself. All you have to do is just lean, lean hard enough into living and you'll realize your full potential and then you'll die when the universe is ready. So that's what I was thinking, but you were thinking about it kind of from a different angle, which I like because that was something I hadn't considered. Isn't that Jesus. in the Gospels though too, is that what, if you're going to live, you got to die. I mean, Jesus said that, right? Like you really want to live. It's one of my favorite Metallica songs. You lose your life to save it. Yeah. They, they, they have this song called uh, Now That You're Dead, My Dear, We Can Live Forever. It's a, it's a dark song, but it goes along those lines of if you want to live, you have to die. So what does that look like, you know, right? Well, having to let go of wanting to live or die. That's because most people are stuck in one or the other. Either you really, really want to live and you're not ready to die or you really want to die and you don't want to live. And it's, it's that those two rails that most people get caught on. But what if you let go of both? Well, have you ever leaned into that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You let go, lean in, or both, both and. That, oh, that's Jesus in the desert, right? Like with the ego and the devil meeting with the devil. is like, well, you should do this. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. But he's really tempted to do that. But he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. Are you ever saddened by the other side? You know, leaning into it and not feeling accomplished or not feeling that it's different? You still have the same view. Of one Not, of the you mean like that living itself isn't worth it or? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't, 
actually think so anymore. I think, because I think I'm letting go of slowly, I think I'm slowly letting go of needing to feel like I have, I have to pick one of them. But yeah, because I don't, I don't know where I'm at right now. I think that's what's so weird for me is because we talked, we were talking about deconstruction last week. And I mean, I've, I've, I think I've been in a really active place of deconstruction for about six months now, just pulling myself down further and further and further and further, not in a self-destructive way, just in a, what did I miss sort of way. And what I'm realizing is that whenever I build my worldview, I build a really, really solid worldview, but I usually miss something really obvious at the beginning. <laughs> so I have to go back really far in my worldview and find out where the glitch is. But I think that's a result of us having the father that we have. Yeah. Is our father obsessed over having a worldview that was consistent all the way through? And and he would pretty much he there's not a relationship he wouldn't break. And there's not a hoop he wouldn't jump through in order to force the world to finally make some kind of sense to him. And that's I think that's just a huge part of of our child. And I think I think all four of us really struggle with that. Where does that sit with you, Kristen? I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it sits at all. I think it I think it's pushing at something. Yeah. Is there is there beauty in the unsitting or the unknowing? Can you find any tranquility in that or just does it feel like super uncomfortable like pins well, I'm sure there will be tranquility eventually <clears throat> I think because I, I know where this ends like I already know where this ends. but see that's the solving of it like I'm not talking about where it ends what right if but where I'm at right now working? yeah I'm in the, the in knowing no I'm, I'm in total limbo and I have been for a while you struggle in, with it oh with big and limbo yeah yeah Oh, really badly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's, well, like Derek was saying, there's something about knowing and being and having a worldview that's solid through and through, even though I know that's not a thing. But I, I compulsively still require it yes. to be a thing so, in my head. So bringing this back to the, the living or dying, though, like, isn't, than not having both the limbo stage. So isn't that the somewhat the desire? To, to be in the middle, yeah. Yeah, no, so I, I think, that, that's limbo, right? Like no, if there's an I'm either way. Is where I wanna be. I'm just acclimating. It's, it's so new for me yeah. that, I mean, I feel like a newborn baby, cause I am. And that, that's what I mean by I know where this ends. Like, that I knew that over the last six months, I knew in, very purposefully and intentionally what the whole process would look like. I knew it was going to look like death, hopelessness, resurrection. I knew that. I still know it. I'm just in the, with the death stage. Yeah. So it's, I know all this, it's just the experience of it. And I'm not good being in the moment at all. I think it's funny that you brought up the, the new birth or the born again thing. 
Because it's so obvious rereading the Gospels that Jesus was talking about some type of reawakening, mm -hmm. some type of enlightenment. And yeah. the church just absolutely fucking butchered that. Like they have no idea what that means. No. They made something up <clears throat> that allowed them to have more control over people. And that's what they used it for. No, they, they took enlightenment and they explained it in the most basic two-dimensional way, which- That gave, they, that gave them the most power. Right. Well, they took, they explained enlightenment almost in a way where it's wide instead of where it has height. And so there was no leveling up ever, which is not actually enlightenment. Right. But what, like you're talking about, that's what dad's really good at. Dad is really, really good at having one layer, one level that he exists on. And then he just goes wider and wider and wider and maintaining the illusion that that is existence. The yeah. whole model of the church was to find people whose lives were pretty shitty, make them a little better, and then just keep them there for the rest of their lives. No, it worked very well. And then to just keep comparing it to the way that they were. Like, yeah. just keep doing it. 10% better. <laughs> what was that? 10% better guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just oh. get that 10% better and then stop. And never, like, this is it. And then everybody in the room, like, doesn't this feel great? Yay! Yeah. Well, feels... tell, they, they tell their stories. The stories they tell are from 30 years ago. Yep. Nothing makes me crazier than when people's most significant stories are from that long ago. Because I'm just yeah, like, I'm sorry, but that is not relevant anymore. You're not that person anymore. anymore. Like, please stop telling those stories. Because when they, when they do and they show some level of vulnerability, then they bring in the shame, right? To keep you in. So they bring in the poison, but then we have the cure too. So you get, you get, you know, vulnerable and you start sharing with people and getting to know people. And then they shame the shit out of you. That's what Mars Hill did. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a Mark standing up there, just pointing at you're horrible for, you know, all the horrible things and porn and whatever the fuck it was, but everybody just feels, Oh, so horrible. And then, Oh yeah, we're back to the trough right next Sunday. Cause that motherfucker brought the poison. Yeah, I think the church just figured out how to leverage arrested development. <laughs> like that's, they figured out like, yeah. like, hey, like people in this certain state of consciousness will give 10% of their income consistently forever, right? Well, but if they pay like, for peace of mind, right? They're and paying they, for the fact that they don't have to think. And if they ever do have to if they ever do get to the consciousness where they do start to think, they'll realize, like, hey, maybe like new fucking silverware for the kitchen isn't the best use of my money. Um, and, and, and uh, going to, uh, you know, taking the tithe money and doing a tour of Europe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like all that shit. And, uh, and uh, you can't have them asking those questions. So they can't smoke weed because then they'll start think thinking those questions. You, <laughs> you have to keep them in debt, right? Like, like just keep them surviving to the next day. You got to keep them fucking sexually traumatized, really frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like there's a whole system in place that's just set on keeping people in that one sweet spot of consciousness where they're just really easy to take advantage of. And that's not just the church. That's all of. Yeah. You also have to give it a good brand, Derek, like, like the word church or a foundation. There's a good. No, brand, right? That's just basic tribalism, right? Like, <laughs> like if you do achieve a next level of, of, uh, enlightenment you're an outcast like we'll kick you out mm -hmm. like we'll, we'll kick your ass out of here for thinking higher but we'll do it subtly like we won't just tell you right. we'll just yes. make you feel like you don't belong anymore 
<laughs> until you stop coming. Well, because because if you don't do it subtly, they might get in front of the church and actually start talking. And then they might wake other people up. Yeah. And that can't be done. You just have to get them out. Like, yeah. no more talking. You be quiet. Here's an NDA. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't even tell you how awful women's Bible studies are. No. You know, it's, it's one of the worst things in the world. And I've been to so many of them. They're horrible. Knives. No, they're, women are not. I, they are very, very hard. And you get a whole bunch of them together. And they are... Uh, yeah. No. Steve. Hmm. I just admitted Steve. There he is. Steve. What do you think about our conversation, Steve? Hey, that's awesome, guys. <laughs> talking about women's Bible study. Yeah, Kristen, <laughs> explain to us why women are so much worse than men. Oh, they're not worse. They're... <laughs> Russ and Chuck are gone. Apparently. Well, big... Yeah. What's even going when on? you say that, though, even when you say that, that it, it's really that's actually really painful because I'm a woman. Like it's it's kind yeah. of funny, but it's actually really painful. Yeah, let's talk about the painful part. Really? You really yeah. 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 About the fact that that men always want to talk about how women are so awful. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Yeah, that's that's fun. Well, it's because <laughs> men are super insecure. I know. So are women. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, and you get a you get a big battle there because of that. It's that's too frustrating. Be... Oh, sorry. The... That men don't acknowledge that. That what the, they're the, insecure. Yeah, that women are insecure. Like, of course they are. Well, they, nobody acknowledges that anybody's insecure. Right. Well, yeah. Right. Because that's a, because that's vulnerable. And that means you actually have to care, and everybody's too tired to care. Like that's yeah, we're everybody's on the edge of breaking all the time. Mm-hmm. Caring for somebody else is a lot of work. Yes, it is. <clears throat> it is a lot of work. Uh, bye, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve really doesn't like this conversation. <laughs> and then we have Russ's cat. Yep. <laughs> well. This is an <laughs> not really sure what happened there. Uh, when no, you start off either. talking about fucking the earth, this is how it ends, Derek. Well, yeah. well no, it, it it does. It ends with now, there. There is a very distinct difference between men and women. We've been trying to bridge that gap forever, and it's not easy. How much of that do you think is bi- biological, and how much is just perspective? It, it's probably fifty-fifty. Yeah, it's because it's boring. Well. Every time it's one of those things that like, is it a particle or a wave? Like every time I look at one, it feels like the other one is. What, you want to talk about... what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, do you want to talk about earth fucking again? Like, do you have no. earth fucking blue balls? Do you need to blow an earth fucking load? Do you need some dynamite? No. <laughs> when you do Thank that. You. Is that what crude oil is when it comes popping out of the ground like that? You guys, yeah. you guys, ru- you guys ruined it. Did we? We overdid it? Okay, we'll pull it back. Russ, Russell, Russ will cut that part because he edits this stuff. And <laughs> and you can start over. Okay, tell us <laughs> what part did everyone check? Oh, 
I like that we I like that Chuck shared something he was generally interested in. You're welcome. It is really cool. I like to pretend I'm above it, but it's not. It's super cool. No, now now you guys are just I'm not pandering. Yeah. No, I'm not. It's 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 fun to give you shit for it. But I can totally relate to one because it that feeling I feel like that all the time at my work. Like every time I have to deal with something with rain gardens, because at the district we've developed a lot of shit for rain gardens that just works better than anybody else. And uh, I'm constantly talking to people and telling them legitimately, no, you can solve your problem like this. Like I know I've built 300 of these. I know right now that if you do this differently, it will work and it'll solve your problem. Yeah. And I have a feeling that's kind of what you're talking about, Chuck, is you're sick of talking to engineers that are like, man, I got, I just wish there's a way to tell like really easy with some kind of probe, how strong the earth is. And it's like, well, there is. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm sure, you know, Chuck, but, but I really want an answer. Like, like, uh, so I'm just going to sit here and wish really hard that I had an answer for why I can't do this. Um, so no, really, there's a cool correlation between what you just said and what Kristen shared earlier, because she's in the business of seeing people come unraveled. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kristen, but it's almost like you feel like you're coming unraveled a bit. But you know the end of it. Like when you said, but I know how it ends. Like because I'm doing it on purpose. I'm unraveling myself on purpose. Like when right. I started doing this six months ago, I did it with the full knowledge that I was going to lean into the unknown and just watch myself unravel. And right, right. Because but I, I because I want of- to consciously expand. I live in a small town. I live in North Idaho in a tiny town. And I mean, when it comes to intellectual conscious stimulation, there's not a whole lot here. And so I, I realized there's that if potatoes. I was going to, uh, sorry, potatoes. Oh, well, Northern that's Southern Idaho. That's Southern Idaho. Yeah. North Idaho is Nazis. Yeah. It is. It's Nazis. I'm not kidding. I see them all the time. Yep. I drive up and down the streets all the time. I see the militia oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's gotten a lot worse recently. Wow. It's, been really interesting this last year. No, I, I see them all the time. The and one that when the they like, occupied downtown Lane at one point. It was like interesting. Everybody just had their their AK forty sevens, and there were about three hundred of them. Do you ever get frustrated with your clients that they don't see the where, like you know, pulling on this string is going to unravel them, and this is the end? Nah. I, I think it's interesting. I love watching people change. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. No, well, no but getting frustrated with their lack of knowledge of seeing the end though. No, no, because that's okay. what I mean by like, I love, I love seeing people change because when they can't see the end, they make really interesting decisions, decisions okay. I would never make. And that's where I learn a lot because when I can watch other people do something I would never do, I'm just like, why the hell did you do that? But I get the opportunity to watch it through their perspective and, and try to be able to understand it better from their point of view. And then I learn something. 
because my my role I only I just see myself as a coach you know like like they're the gymnast I'm the coach and I'm there to give them instruction and guidance but they're the ones doing this and so when I tell them to do a flip they do it it's their body on the line and I'll catch them if I need to but but I mean, you know, sometimes they kick me in the face. Sometimes they, they hurt themselves. It's not, it's just part of the process of learning and it doesn't feel frustrating to me at all. And actually it, feel, it feels really cool that I get to learn with them. And that's why I made this choice for myself to do this because I got so inspired watching other people do it. I figured. Do you see like the stubbornness in other people and, and kind of a way that you learn from that? Like I'm a stubborn motherfucker, you know? I really, no. I double down on just trying to survive, whatever it is. Even you guys have pointed it out. Like sometimes I just break the, oh, it's uncomfortably quiet right now. I got a fucking interjector. Like there's a stubbornness in me to just keep living or surviving or have you picked up on that in your work and been able to apply it to yourself? Like, have you seen times in your own life where you're like, oh, fuck, like, I don't want to. I don't want to let, I don't want to die to that. I got really inspired when I realized that there were a lot of people who have never considered suicide ever. And it's a lot of men. And I think that was one of the big reasons why I started pursuing relationships with men more because I didn't understand that point of view. I mean, the first time I was suicidal, I can't, I can't remember how old I was, but I was probably, I don't know, it's probably 10 or 11. And it was just a natural thought for me. It was, oh, if life gets so miserable that I don't want to live it anymore, I can kill myself. That's, yeah. that's a relief. Yeah, I remember making that, that cognitive connection that I always had an escape hatch. And so when things got really, really, really bad and you know, I got close enough to actually following through with it, that was, that was just my, my way of coping. So meeting people who are in their 40s and 50s, you know, especially meeting men who are in their 40s or 50s who have done horrible things who have seen some really crazy shit and have never once considered killing themselves. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't get it. And so I've just been fascinated by that. And it's, I'm trying to understand it so then I can apply it to my own life. I think it's just that that's mostly a powerlessness thing. The vast majority of men have never really been in a situation where they had absolutely no power. No. And even if a woman hasn't been in a situation, where she's had absolutely no power, she's conditioned from birth to expect it. Like, like that form of imagination is nurtured of like, like, yeah, the floor of imagination for a man's sense of powerlessness only goes down so far. Just usually why men's biggest fear is some kind of sexual assault. Um, because that's as low as they can imagine. Yeah. Um, but, and for women, that's like just a, daily part of like that's a daily risk that has to go into so derek do you think it's a, like they're trying to back out of it like they're or or it's or it's chicken shit right like or you know, like i'm not a pussy kind of thing like you think no, that, i think they legitimately can't imagine a scenario where they because it's 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 hard to imagine when you have the testosterone in an adult male body it's easy to imagine that you can for the most part figure out how to get out of most stuff yeah. Like, and that's where, that's where a lot of the fancy lies, right? Superheroes and shit. Like, uh, it's like, no, just, just fucking break it, man. Like, like use your man muscles and break it. Um, like for real, like that's what we're taught from like, like the age of six is like, just, just use your Superman muscles yeah. and, and beat it up until it stops hurting you. Um, 
Get a well, huge raging heart on and shove that sucker in the earth. And and but women have to deal with the fact that like their bodies are just built in a way where they don't have a lean muscle. Yeah, now. it's hard. And yeah. and even if you're six five female that works out every day, there's a good chance that a five nine guy could take you. Like there just is, just because of the lean muscle mass thing. Yeah. Like testosterone's a hell of a fucking drug. It makes men really, really scary strong. I know. And um, and so there's a said there's a and and men also have that dissociated brain. So um, so you know the the risky like they're already bad at risk management, right? So like and again like and so being bad at risk management. And just being taught, look, you can just use your man muscles to get yourself out of any situation. They just don't worry about shit. <laughs> no, I didn't realize that. Because so I worry they, about everything. So why would they want to kill themselves? Because they, they can't wouldn't. imagine a scenario in life where they're like, well, I'll just use my man muscles. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, like, like, what do you mean? Now. Like, what if I'm put into slavery? I'll just break the fucking chains and run away. Yeah. Are they either being dishonest or stupid? That's just stupid. That's no, it's not either. It's, it's they. That's what they've been taught. I think it's just unaware and also semi-aware. I mean, the other nice thing about being that that naive is sometimes you can do it. Like I've been in situations where, like, holy shit, I didn't know I was that strong. Mm. Like, like fuck, I beat the shit out of that thing. Um, yeah, I uh, the opposite. And so, so and so if you do I was that weak. Yeah, but if you do have oh no like that confidence, um, you know, you watch watch Russell Wilson do it every fucking week in the NFL. But like, no, I'm just gonna do it. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna will it to happen and god damn it, he did it. Like he fucking <laughs> did it again. He just Hey Derek, he just, why not you? Right, exactly. If you like that why not you thing is fucking powerful. That's the placebo effect. Mm. That's 25% of everything you do is that placebo effect of like, oh no, I, I can just do it. So was like, that I, look on his face at the Super Bowl when he looked super depressed? Was that authentic part? It might have been, yeah. He might never he recover. His man muscles to get. Yeah. He might not ever recover because he realized his muscles had failed him. He wasn't Superman. Oh. No, his muscles didn't fail him. His pro um, line failed him, yeah. yeah. His the muscles <laughs> of his offensive line failed him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's not him, Kristen. Um, in his mind i'm sure it is him no it's not oh no no, not no. you don't think so you don't got a superpower denial his entire yeah. team is an extension of himself oh yeah that's what i mean oh i see what he means yeah no, like well, he will take it on himself any quarterback no, well so then no, it, he doesn't get a hire who he doesn't get a select correct. so whoever is the hiring which and is he's having issues with right like those yeah, that's folks, the people so. he's understandable because he doesn't get a say Right, mm-hmm. he doesn't get a control. So his his team is like his body, and if his body's weak, he's so lost. If he would flex his man muscles more, then he would get a say. And that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's learning. To, he's he's learning to flex his man mouth. Is what he's learning how to do. <laughs> you mean his man brain? Yeah, that's what man. it is. Oh yeah, we figured out like like God, these man muscles like they're good. They brought me this far, but there's something missing. He's like, oh yeah, like my man brain can also. Can also work to make me super powerful. Like, like there's a certain point. I think it's probably about the age of 35 where men are like, "Huh, 
my brain is pretty fucking awesome too. Like I think I can use this to fuck some shit up as well. So I think I'm just gonna do that. So anybody that's under the, the age of 35 that realizes that is ahead of the curve. I didn't catch either of you. No, yeah. the whole thing. All right, Chuck, go. Chuck, what were you gonna say? I don't remember. Go on. <laughs> use your man brain, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> So what about rock bottom, Kristen? Like, here's something I'm curious about. So if a guy can do that and just continue to do that, like Russell Wilson, for example, like if you can just keep fucking doubling up on your awesomeness, will you ever change? Like people have to get to a point. I don't know. I just learned I'm an addict. Like I fucking, you know. They, they do change, Russ. They get worse. Yeah. Well, and so <laughs> the, the doubling up. So Tiger Woods did it. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. what? So what happened to Tiger Woods? Was it last weekend or yeah. the end of a week and a half ago? Shattered his legs. Shattered his legs. He was driving his car way too damn fast. Luckily, he wasn't, you know, intoxicated or on drugs. But that's a man that keeps doubling down, and well, you see the end result. Uh, yeah, eventually, eventually, reality. You know, that's what happened to Donald Trump, right? He was just like, he got yes answers to so much of his shit. He was just like, well, I'm just going to make my yes questions crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. And then uh, eventually, like, no, reality is a thing. Like, you don't, you're not actually yeah. God. I know it feels like it, <laughs> right. but you're not actually God. And he's like, what? Yeah. I, I look at me. <laughs> look at me. I am a God. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, your face when you said that it was like now that's again he's still there he's like what what happened yeah. like something satan satan must exist too <laughs> because something is fighting me because i've got like 70 million people that are like oh no you are god yeah like you are jesus fucking christ Throw the throw uh, yourself off this mountain. He's like fucking duh. Like I do that all the time. Like, like why didn't it work every day? Why, why didn't it work? Why didn't I get to be God? Satan. Yeah. Satan is Satan. Yep, it's Satan. Satan's really powerful and Satan's real. This is how the Bible got written. It was some man somewhere in the desert <laughs> well, for sure. in the Middle East, and he was like, God damn it. <laughs> Why am I not God? He's just like hearing a shit in this. <laughs> Let's give him horns and fucking. Oh, fuck it. That's most of the book of Psalms is David bitching about that. I know. <laughs> like these fucking assholes don't see that I am a god. Like, and nobody will just do what I tell uh -huh. them to because look at me, I'm fucking awesome. And then I love, so Song of Solomon is just like Solomon, the horniest fuck. It's like, why are we doing this? And it's weird how Christians, like, they use that as marriage counseling shit. And the I fact know, is, like, you no, know, they did. They do fucking books and shit on, Sol we, at Mars Hill, they did a whole thing on, uh, remember that, Derek? The fucking yeah, present, present princess, yeah. He was a po polyamorous motherfucker. Like, he had... Oh. Hundred oh, yeah. and some odd other wives over here, but <laughs> this story I'm not against polyamory. I get it. That's not polyamorous. No, that's that's, no, that's, that's, that's massive sexual insecurity. <laughs> yes, 
polyamorous all, those women would have had multiple husbands or yeah. but, but no he would have sex with a oh, woman yeah, once, that's true and then he'd put them up in chamber for the rest of their lives and that was yeah. it so he was a great person it was mis- medieval porn like if you 700 you, of them yeah I mean, today people can just flip through images of 700 different, like he actually had pre-technological. That guy's cock must have been sore all the time. <laughs> it was like, wasn't it Genghis Khan? Like how, how many? Oh, yeah. Did he oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they say. Rape whole villages. Yeah. Like, they say 7% of. Fucking and killing and fucking. And that was all he was doing. <laughs> they said 7% of China is direct descendants. <laughs> Yes, seven percent of the whole country. No, he was working so hard to yeah. every woman. Because because he was a god, Kristen. Oh, and oh, who was there to argue? Nobody. 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 Like it must have felt like being a god to be Genghis Khan. Yeah. Because it probably was really fucking easy for him. Probably. He found some niche and found some weakness in the greatest empire that he that anybody had ever known. And it was really easy, and and they and they couldn't do anything, and he just ran circles around them uh-huh. for decades. Yeah, and and eventually, like he, he died having sex. I'm sure eventually it gets boring. Of oh. like, oh yeah, like this is like yeah. when does this stop being easy? When does this stop being easy? Like it's just so easy to kill and fuck people. Uh huh. Um, but then it becomes like, compulsive. Right. And then he starts, and then he starts trying to find a boundary, like Trump did. Yeah. Like, like, well, now I'm curious, where's the edge? Yeah. Oh, I've got some of that going on right now too. Yeah, I'm definitely in a weird headspace. This pandemic's let up a lot of boundaries for me, um, and I'm spending a lot of time trying to find where the edge is. No, I'm really curious. So, you're how are you, like Genghis Khan and Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Don't worry. Chris is like, I've been waiting for this for 25 years. Hey, like he... you told me to psychoanalyze you, so <laughs> I told you it was going to be a project. Here we are. Growing a beard. Man. Con. You know what his nickname was in college? Derek's Gertie. Oh, oh yeah, me. That was Genghis. Yeah, it's true. Oh wow. He had a hat. Yeah. With Genghis, on Genghis it. Han, get it? Genghis oh, Han. Genghis it was so stupid. <laughs> people loved it in college. Kind of you weird. loved it. No, you people did. loved it in college. You loved it. Did it get delayed? I was. Were you too Christian? Yeah, I was way too Christian. <laughs> I was way too Christian. God, that's. I'm so sad for you. Like, <laughs> thanks, Russ. I'm sad for me too, actually. Uh, um, yeah. No, I mean, Derek and I could, I mean, we could talk about the number of sexual partners we've like, had. Yeah. Not many. God, Think crazy. about the big titty goth girls that I could have fucked with the name Genghis Khan. <laughs> so weed. Like, there were so many big titty goth girls. A single one, was it? Just not, not one. Not even, <laughs> not even a little titty goth girl. I know. That's a, <laughs> zero, that's zero goth girls. Mm-hmm. No, yep. that's, that's the side effect of being quaker like yeah. it's it's crazy and yeah it's a weird thing okay so anyway russ you had asked about rock bottom yeah rock bottom i was curious about kind of where derek was going with the uh, with the guys who 
you know, double down on their, I don't know if that's an ego thing or just a stubbornness thing. No, I'm awesome. Like, no, I don't think about suicide because a pussy would do that or something. Right. So I'm going to just keep being awesome. I don't know why that person would go to therapy. First of all, second of all, in order to break that and actually change, don't you have to like hit some kind of like, I mean, like Trump did, like, oh, yeah, I'm not president anymore. Like, that's sort of a rock bottom for Trump, you would think. You have to, I think two things have to happen. One, you have to hit some kind of failure. And two, you have to be like, maybe that's me. Maybe I caused the failure. Uh-huh. And and you have to have, and just, just asking for a failure for some people is big enough because they've set their lives in on a whole way where failure is really nebulous and hard to define but then to to have them get to the point where they actually ask the question like could that be me no yeah guys who beat their wives that's another thing i met going to fucking you know recovery groups there was a lot of those guys there too they weren't just alcoholics they were fucking beating up their spouse they're going to a group to get sober so they can stop beating their spouse but it's deeper than that like, but, like they realize that that's not a healthy way it wasn't to it wasn't the them being drunk that made them beat their wives they no. like beating their wives mm. it's the, the alcohol brings down their inhibitions that's all it does well i don't they, know about everybody i think i think that's all i think i think a vast majority of them do it because some part of them really enjoyed it. And what do you think Kristen do drunk wife beaters be get drunk so they can beat their wives or do they get drunk so they can stop beating their wife? I mean, it's both. It's not there. You that's why. No, it is though. It is. It is both. It, it, it depends on the person's because I've seen people do both. I, uh, I worked for a year in, a half in Detroit with a uh, a men's group. It was uh, perpetrators of domestic violence, and and I saw a lot of what Derek's talking about. And it's just is interesting. It's always interesting to sit in a group of of men who have really lived life really really hard, and every single one of them has has really fucked up their their wife in some way. And then they're all sitting in the same room and they have to look at each other in the eye. That's really interesting. Mm. And and you do get some honesty. You do and what Derek's talking there is that some of them really do enjoy it and some of them just panic. And, and so it's, I've seen both veins. And they don't come back next Wednesday night for the free coffee and conversation. Wait, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, if you're doing group night like that, those guys who get freaked out by it, do they come back? Those guys usually bounce, don't they? Well, they were all court ordered. Oh, so shit. Didn't get a That's what sucks about court orders. You can just sit there and just like, oh, these people are all assholes. I know uh-huh. every fucking thing. I get some of those. I and- think that's why step 12 step doesn't work. Like people say 12 step doesn't work. Well, obviously it doesn't work because most of the statistics are on people that don't want to fucking be there. Right. You know, you got to want it to work for it to actually fucking work. Court order, though, is always my favorite, though. I, <laughs> I, I love people who are forced to come to talk to me. Mm. I get, I usually get 12 to 15 sessions and we're going to sit there and I'm, I'm just gonna, we're, we're gonna just have a conversation about shit. Like we're just going to talk about things until eventually they want to actually have a real conversation. And there are definitely people that have never, ever 
clicked into anything real, you know, and you get through those 12 sessions and fine, they leave and I never see them again. But some of them, some of them, I'd, some would start connecting. Nice. Those, ones were, those were a lot of fun because they weren't expecting to get anything out of therapy and, and then they did. And then I get something out of the interaction too. But I remember there was a, I listened to uh, a lecture and there was, this guy was talking about this woman who hundred pound Asian woman who would do AA meetings in the basement of churches, like in mm-hmm. like in New York city or somewhere like yep. that. No, it was basically really <laughs> rough, like the Bronx, you know, and, and they would ask her like, were you ever scared? Cause these are rough fucking people. You know, these are people that would, I mean, they could fucking take you that out. That's not the scariest thing I've done. But no, when you go into a situation like that, especially as a woman, as a small woman, you have to be in command and yeah. you know, going in. Yeah. You know going in that you are going to demand respect. And if they don't give it to you, then. I mean, what she said was profound. What, what she said was, was I just see, I just see a bunch of five-year-olds. Like I just, she goes, I, what I see is it's just a bunch of little kids. Like that one's all like, he's like this and he's all pouty and that one's like angry. And she goes, I, I just see five-year-olds and I deal with them on that emotional level. And I was like, wow. It's just people, do people really grow up emotionally? Like, I don't know. Like we're all sort of. Well, they grow up first by growing by regressing and I think that's that's what a lot of adults and especially adult men don't understand is that if you're 35 years old but you have the emotional mentality of a five to eight year old then that means you have to go back to that in your brain and you have to start there so you have to start emotionally as an eight-year-old so that means that you're probably going to be sitting in the corner maybe rocking pouting wanting to put holes in the wall and kicking and screaming and throwing a tantrum because you're just so goddamn young and it's a neurological thing So I have to help people regress, you know, and if somebody outweighs me by a hundred pounds, like I, I tell them that, all right, I'm going to let you throw a tantrum right in front of me. And I'm going to trust that you are not going to put a hole in the wall and you're not going to put one in my face. And so that's, and that's usually where, that's where, again, I see men really inspired is when I hand my safety over to them and I say, I trust you completely. And maybe that's a stupid thing to do because I know that you could kill me. And that's, that's one of the benefits of not really caring. If I don't care if somebody kills me, then it doesn't matter. Then I'm willing to risk something for somebody that I really, truly do believe in. And I've learned to believe in people that, that I never would have thought that I could connect with or see something really significant in. And, and especially with men, when I say, okay, I'm going to hand you my entire physical safety. I'm going to trust you with it. Every single one stands up. Like they stand up to that. And and they pick themselves up and they go, okay, all right, I am, I am going to let myself cry and I am going to let myself be angry and you are going to see that and I am not going to hurt you. And nobody's hurt me yet. That's beautiful. Because it shows the goodness too. Like there's goodness yeah. in people. Like there was a point in my life I didn't think there was anything good about me, you know. And I had to get to the point where someone like yourself or someone like showed me a layer of, no, you're actually good. Mm-hmm. Like you don't hate everything and want things to die and burn. Which I thought I did for a long time. Like, I'm just so fucking bad. Like, no, no, you're not. Not really. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Like, no. Really? No, that's the part that people don't know about themselves. 
because exactly that mentality, like you said, like if you've been told that you're the bad guy your entire life, then you're going to live from that. And you're like, yeah, you know, I'm just such an asshole and I just don't give a shit. And you just live into that script until all of a sudden somebody looks at you one day and they said, no, I, I know you're capable of more. And I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on you in a way where, where if I lose, I really do lose because I have real skin in the game. Yeah. And that's the thing that people aren't willing to do. They're not willing to actually put real investments into other people but I don't know how to help people outside of that and but again like I said like after years of doing this and realizing that it worked I realized that I needed to put my my own skin in the game so to speak as far as like I need to learn to be just as vulnerable and it's that's gonna be really really hard for me and I'm gonna hate it and it's gonna take me a really long time because I, I think I'm just getting started. I think I'm just learning how to be vulnerable. But I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. I, I know it's going to be miserable. And I, I don't, I know I'll care in the future, but I don't care right now. Right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I've, I've worked with a lot. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of really interesting people. A lot of murderers. Um, you know, a lot of people that have done really horrible things to children. Jeez. Really awful things to kids. And I, I see, I can see not exactly so much the good in them. I see, I see their humanity mm. and I'm not, and I, you know, I can look somebody in the eye and say, yeah, what you did does deserve a lifetime in prison. Like there are certain things that, yeah, you, you probably do deserve to, to have your life taken from you. You know, that's, that's just the justice system. And but do, but do I still think you're worthwhile as a human while you're here? Are you worth connecting with? Yes, you are. And you're worth my time. And I got to know some really cool people because of that. And that's what keeps me, that's what's always kept me going is finding out people's stories. Because mm -hmm. it's, people have crazy stories. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, you hear people's I was, I was hearing about the the fucking uh, the night stalker Menendez or what not it wasn't Menendez what what the fuck his name was like that guy was just seriously evil like he raped a bunch of kids and murdered a bunch of people and and then I heard that like his father when he was a kid like six or seven years old used to they lived near a graveyard and if he was bad he would take him out to the graveyard and make him sleep in a in a grave that was already dug. It would put him in the ground. It would make him and tell him like, "You you have to sleep there tonight." You're like that's some fucked up shit. Like that'll fuck up anybody. I mean, it doesn't make, give you the excuse to right. rape kids and murder people, no. but you're kind of like, oh yeah. Like I used to just at first want to demonize the guy and just think he's the most evil person ever. But then I hear that and I'm like. Oh fuck! Like that kind of. Well, it makes sense. You just yeah. you, you start to understand the ripple effects of of life, of a timeline, and how how people are capable of doing certain things. It, yeah. it all starts making sense, and it it's not rooted in good or evil. It has nothing to do with good or evil. It just has to do with existence and opportunities and connections and security and and most people don't have enough of those. And but I would still empty a chamber into his back of his head if I caught him doing such things and wouldn't feel the, all that bad about it. 
but that's just me. I don't know. Or a priest who's molesting kids. If I could just go back in time and find out the priest that was molesting the kids and just empty like, like a whole clip of bullets into the back of his head, that would be wrong, but you would probably get it. And I would feel okay. Yeah, it's like when people, people ask if you had Hitler as a baby, would you kill him? Like most men say yes. <laughs> like, no, yeah. All I had to do was send him to America. Would have been fine. Well, Hitler had a significant. You would you would create a, a paradox in the time space continuum, as far as Back to the Future is concerned. Oh my God! Okay. I think I think Hitler Hitler was inevitable. If it wasn't Hitler, uh-huh. it was no, you're right. Yeah, it was. Well, Hitler was just yeah. It was. It just so happened to be him. Yeah. yeah. Germany was primed for what they went through. Well, yeah. You know uh, what's interesting is that Hitler is looked at as like the like the go-to he's a scapegoat right but yet there's well stalin Mussolini, and i mean there's and again yeah you can go through rwanda and uh bosnia herzegovina i mean there's some really interesting hitler is just the most popular but well it's it's the most dramatic one it was the most organized one it was also it was also against white people yes Right. Yeah, that's unforgivable. Right. You you can't do that against but white. Rwanda, you know. Yes, yeah, right. Oh, okay. That's the Bosnia Herzegovina, they were like, ah, it's too Russian. Like like the Jewish, now the Jewish people were kind of brown, but they were really white still. Uh-huh. Mao Mao caused God 80 damn. million Chinese people to starve to death. Like um, over months. Yeah, no, I remember hearing like eighty wait, million uh, people mm-hmm. and the great step forward, and he did it consciously. Well, that's uh, like yeah. the Cambodian genocide that was specifically against intellectuals. Like that's yeah. oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, Kristen, of the last six months, what's been the hardest thing to be vulnerable about? Oh. Sorry, what's been the third hardest thing to be vulnerable about? <laughs> Most of the listeners are gone by now. They got bored. Yeah, they, they, they started off strong, but they're they're ended, so it's okay. Oh, Mark made me stop talking about earth fucking, so they're gone. <laughs> I'm gonna look. I have to think about it for a second. Okay, we can talk about it next week if you need to. You yeah, probably. we can have a whole show on it if you want. That's true. Yeah, yeah, there we you go. Do. Next week, Kristen's topic. Kristen's top five. <laughs> Chris- Coming in at number one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I mean, shit. The, the I was actually was considering easy. coming into this tonight and being like, "So, just so you guys know, this is gonna turn into the Kristen show because, like, I'm unraveling, and I already know that the next couple weeks are gonna be all focused on me." So it's like, oh, we've all had our turn. I believe it, yeah. and I listen to it. I'm sick of me, and I'm. I <laughs> need not. to do it, and I'm like, oh. It's so it's so hard because I I want the connection and the attention so badly, yeah. And it's like it freaks me out and it makes me panic. Yeah. And I, so I'm like, stop, stall, stop, stall, stop, stall. That's how it feels like in my head. It's okay. We can have next week. We can have an hour and a half of dead dead time, just waiting for you. Oh, good. To... <laughs> I'm 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 good with the. I'm same. gonna be so drunk. <laughs> oh, I can't okay, be drunk! Come on, that would Why be entertaining. Not? But here, I'll make I'll make a deal with you. 
but drunk theology when we'll start next week and however long it takes it takes and then when you were done you get a show that you're going to ask me every question that you ever wanted to because i know you have a laundry list of them because you've said so it's not a lot it's not a laundry list i know it's i'm over exaggerating (laughs) my list here as you pull a piece <laughs> of paper <laughs> print it out what's the font what's the yeah, font it, Kristen? i need to know the font no it's, i wrote it down <laughs> I wrote it. uh and i can put myself on mute so you pigeons. can get... i forgot i wrote that down pigeons midgets oh midgets yeah midget john yeah. steve's internet quit this is so. part of the list <laughs> No, I mean part of Midget John. Every every list is better if it has midgets on it. That's true. Little people. Okay. I think they want to be called little people. Yeah. You still haven't answered. You still haven't answered Derek's question. What was the question? Was there a question? I thought it was a statement. No. What's the the third most vulnerable thing you've had to deal with in last? He's already talking about next week. Well, we can talk about it next week. But Chuck wants to know. I want to know now. Well, the thing will, is, I don't know. It'll be a I little really teaser. Because I because I have a lot. So what's the what's the general topic on? I have a journal. I pull up my journal. Ooh. Is it a journal or a diary? <laughs> it's a journal. Chuck's not interested if it's a journal, but <laughs> if it's got a little heart-shaped lock on it, he is in. This <laughs> is gonna piss me off. <laughs> I'm still like, no, my, uh, I mean, you could call it a diary if you want to, but it wouldn't make sense to anybody. How long have you had the diary? Oh, a couple of years. Oh. It's a diary. Right now, <laughs> right now at the very top of it, I have, I forgot that I did this, but I wrote at the very top because it's in my notes on my computer and I have like my grocery list. I have my vacation information. I have a lot of my work stuff. And then I have listed at the very bottom. It says my big black fucking cock. All <laughs> the shit I do. So it's it's there so that if my mom sees it, she won't open it. That's a good idea. <laughs> That's pretty mom proof. You've <laughs> come full circle. So if I die and my mom goes through my stuff and she says, sees my big black Delete. Fuck, delete. All the shit that I do. My mom will not touch it. Oh, yeah, she will. She'll delete the shit out of it. Yeah, she'll delete the shit out of it. <laughs> Make me happy. Or she'll be curious. Oh, she's curious, Derek. Awesome. No. You don't know my mom, Russ. No, my you mom, don't know your mom. No, no, my mom is not is, that type of curious. This no. is this you is absolutely awesome. You have you have a burn box. And you have designated your mother <laughs> to dispose of it, and she has none. She's none the wiser. This is that's the best burn box it's ever. Brilliant! It's it would be even more brilliant if you hadn't just told your big brother about it. Don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Oh, I no. know you won't. I just will never listen to this. I told you not allowed to. Just so you know, I I would. Tell my mom. No, I'd read it. Oh, that's fine. You can read it. It won't make any sense. Ooh, ooh, I want to land the plane. Okay. We started with we started with earth fucking and we came full circle to Kristen's big black cock. It's true. That 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 was a nice, a nice bow. (laughs) I like okay. Stop recording. Cut it.
Cut it, you're gonna ruin the best landing you've ever had, Wes. Push that. Both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. Why not tell a friend about Punk Theology? Pound that heart button, punch that effin' thumbs up icon, and then, why not comment and share, my cheeky punk bitches, my beautifully cheeky punk bitches. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. That is the end of side one of this record. You can turn it over now. Maybe you did not understand me. The first side of the record is finished. It is time to turn it over. Now, now this is your last chance. Oh, oh, here goes the needle into the back and forth part of the record. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh